We're back on for Top Hill Recording Podcast number nine. Had an intro song there by our guest tonight. Neil, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man. How you doing? I'm good. You want to introduce our guest for us? Yeah, tonight we got my good buddy, Brent West. Glad to be here. Thanks, yeah. guys. Big fan of the podcast, and I feel honored. Dude, happy to have you. This yeah. is going to be fun. I'm ready to pick your brain. I've been uh, excited about this one from the, the get-go. Yeah, you talked about Brent. Was it first episode? I think so. If it wasn't first episode, Brent might know. What was it, Brent? Do you know when your I name was I think it was, was like up? immediately, wasn't it? I think, yeah, I think it was the first one. <laughs> we were talking about songwriting, people that thought a little differently. That's what I think we came up with your name. So I'm, I'm interested to hear about some of these songs. I had no idea, Brent, that you wrote. What, 100 songs? How many? Do you know how many you've written? There's probably 50 on there, I bet. I bet. Um, because a lot of them are multiple versions of the same song. But that's that's one he's written, the intro song. He actually was a drummer for a band, that, and that was he was drumming on that, okay, so, that uh, recording. So tell us, what's the name of that intro song? So the name of that song is Hellbound Blues. That was Scotty Less and the Two Timers, uh, one of the bands I played in. Probably... Around 2007. Did you say Scotty West? Scotty Lust. Oh, Lust. Scotty Lust and the Two Timers. Okay. It's my buddy. That's a name, isn't it? Uh, Scott Boone. And he's with the Satellite Twin now, He's with now, the band right? Satellite Twin yeah. now. Still playing. So where did you all record that song? That was actually recorded in a carriage house in Old Louisville. Jordan Force did the recording. He played with a local band called Adventure. It was actually pretty cool. We recorded the drums and bass live. And we were all in like in our own little horse stall. So <laughs> oh, okay. that's cool. I, could, I mean, I could see everybody in the band, but we're kind of all in our own rooms and did a live recording that way. That's awesome. And I know they went back and, and redid some of the guitar work and vocals, but the drums and bass, we laid down pretty much everything in one take. Is it a recording studio or is it a just a... It was a carriage house. I think Jordan lived there or lived in the house like up on the front of 4th Street or something, and he had kind of converted that into a studio. That's cool. Yeah, it is. It, it was awesome. cool. Hey, man, I want to drink some bourbon. We didn't, right. get a, we didn't get to drink bourbon last podcast. I think we need to I drink some it. bourbon. Yeah, so I brought one tonight. What Cheers, got? fellas. Cheers, man. Cheers. Good right. to have Brent in the house again. What do we got? Tonight we're drinking Johnny Drum. Tell me a little bit about old Johnny Drum. You uh, you had a little Johnny Drum with me not too long ago. Doesn't mean uh, I remember it. Johnny Drum, <laughs> kind of uh, people were split on on Johnny Drum. Well, this this is going to be interesting then. So you know, but it's, so it's going to have some kick, is what you're telling me. Well, a little bit. It's a hundred more proof. Got a lot of flavor. When you first open the bottle, you get a little uh, ethanol smell. Some people don't don't like that. What do you think? I'm glad I got the ice. <laughs> I'm glad I got the ice. It's not it, bad. It's weird. It, I'm not a bourbon drinker. I, I never really acquired a taste, but it's it's, it's smooth. It's not bad. It's, for, I, I like it. It's, 101 proof. 101 not bad. proof. It's, it's one of my smooth. favorites. It used to have a 15 year old age label on it, and they uh, they took that off, like a lot of bourbons are doing now. So too much money in bourbon, man. Like six years, yeah. pull that stuff. Now we got to so get I, make some money. You know, you assume it's not 15 years old now, but I wonder how old it is. It's uh, about four. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. It's good. And it's bourbon. Mm -hmm. And man, after that, the root beer was excellent last week, but I'm glad to have some bourbon and be yeah. adults again. 
So yeah, I wonder. I was, uh, you think Spencer pulled one over on us? You think maybe he brought in some hard root beer? Yeah, I think I think it's right. <laughs> it had to have been with half, and I don't know what was going on. Because I, I got to thinking. I mean, Buffalo Trace selling root beer. I mean, is that for real? Nah, it's for real. Is it? Yeah. Okay. It, either I way, maybe it snuck was a hard excellent. root beer. In. Yeah, it, it was. was excellent. Either yeah. way, and there's nothing wrong with hard root beer. I don't know. It's debatable. You'd rather have a regular root beer. Yeah, I think I'd rather have a regular root beer and then, you know, some hard liquor. <laughs> I looked up Johnny Drum, and it was the 2010 San Francisco World Spirits Competition double gold medal winner. Really? Really? Yes. Where was that at? But that was 2010. And it was where? last year, it had the 15-year-old age label on it. Uh-huh. I bet it tastes completely different. You think so? And where did they like win to that? Know. San Francisco World Spirit Competition. I don't think that counts. Yeah, they might they might have been going up against like Tito's vodka or something. Yeah, well, that's pretty good vodka, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta ask you gotta ask Brent the question now. I guess you're talking about the question. The the uh, question. Yeah. So we usually we've been starting these off, Brent. It leads to good conversation. So if you think way back, probably longer than you've thought about, and you've heard this on the podcast if you've listened. When do you first remember music coming into your life where you knew it was something important to you? Um, that's tough for me, and I've had this conversation with Neil, and like I said, I feel honored to be on, on the podcast because I guess I don't really consider myself a musician. Yeah, low standards um, if you feel honored to be on the top of recording. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but we do appreciate it. Yeah, I, love, sure. I love the podcast. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I was always listening to music. I think the first cassette tape I had was Michael Jackson Thriller. My mom said I listened to it all the time, nonstop. I mean, I was always listening to music on the radio, and nobody in my family really played music at all. I've always listened to music. I mean, it was always a big part of my life, but I didn't start playing guitar until I was 17. So I got an acoustic guitar for Christmas. I took lessons for a few months, the same guy that Neil did, I think. Yeah, Chris um, Rogers? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, Chris, Chris Rogers. Chris Rogers. Uh, so I took lessons. I learned the basics, and I was kind of like, you know, I can get a chord book and just kind of figure this out on my own. For me, it was probably hours and hours just sitting in a room by myself, just teaching myself chords. I didn't have an ear for music. I couldn't hear a song and learn it by ear. I always had to kind of cheat. Have you developed up. that later? So I have. I just started playing a little more lately, and I realize now that I can hear a song and figure chords out, not necessarily the notes, but just predictable patterns in songs. He stopped by the house right before we came down here, and I was just showing him all the cool new stuff uh, that I happened to get. Awesome, by the way. And I said, hey, man, check it out. And I was listening to some of his stuff, and then I said, well, listen to the speakers real quick and put Rocket on because he wanted to hear it with the drum track that was recorded with those electric drums. Or at least he mentioned it, and I said, like, hey, we'll, we'll listen to it on these monitor speakers. You can really hear what it sounds like. So then I handed him a guitar, and that most of that song's in D, and then it finally hits a chord change into G, and that's the very first chord he played was the G on the chord change before he actually has probably ever played the song before. So, yeah, he can hear it. What I was thinking, though, as soon as you said patterns, I was, I was wondering because uh, were you, a ma- you were a math teacher. What did yeah. you teach? Math or computers yeah. or something? I yeah. Taught, yeah, I taught math, physics, and GIS yeah. computer class. So I was a math teacher also. When I first started learning to play, I remembered patterns. 
Everything mm-hmm. was in patterns. And then I bet, like, Neil, I bet you were more ear. and I was definitely, I was definitely more ear, and it, it, now I'm starting to understand the patterns. Now, because I, I've t- kind of taken a step back and looking at the fretboard a little bit different and looking at, uh, looking at it as math, as a math equation, as well as just chords and notes. Yeah, there's, it, it's, you can break it down in patterns. Yeah, that's interesting, because I started with patterns also, and then as I played, I could pick up sounds of chords and things i'm still not real good at it i like to sit down and and uh practice that sometimes you know just put the radio on and see if i can find the chords they're playing or the key it's mm-hmm. in i tell you a, a real key to that finding something if you're listening on the radio is you understand that that the top note has every key there's a song playing. Find it on your E string. Find it on the E string. Okay. So that is a big cheat to being able to hear music because once you really start getting in that groove of of hearing it and then that combination with the understanding patterns is you can, okay, it's in G. It has to go to this, 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 or this. Unless you're unless you're Brent West, oh, well, yeah. these, you, you, you do things a little bit different. It's not necessarily uh, the, it's you, you do the pattern, but you just do it with a little bit different of a timing or a little bit different of a chord change or something like that, which always led me to think he's so so interesting as a as a writer. And we've had the conversation many a times about he never feels like a musician. I can appreciate it, but you can't say you're not a songwriter. You've written songs. You, you can't True. say that you're not a guitar player. You play guitar. Man, you play guitar. You, you play the harmonica. Uh, very good. You play the drums. You can you can do so many things. It, it's just what frame of reference do you see yourself in sometimes. Man, you're, you, you can be a jack-of-all-trades. You don't have to be a professional musician to be a musician because nobody gets more excited than like me and Lee and and everybody sitting around a bonfire when you break your stuff out. I mean that that's we live for that. I, that's one of our favorite things. Man, you bring stuff. We get ticked when you don't. <laughs> yeah. You know. So it's it's Brent and I grew up together. It's kind of uh, it, like Toy and I, but even closer because I've never not known Brent, but we've always been around each other. Are y'all the same age? Very close. A year or you're, two. I think you're two, two years old. Two years. You were 17 years old, took guitar lessons, and decided you could do this on your own. Yeah, and actually, let me back up a little bit. It could be when Neil was saying that. I remember there was a party at my parents' house, and Neil was probably 13 or 14. I think the Broken Arrow Band may have played that night. Somebody played. They had a temporary stage set up. I was probably 12, and Neil got up there by himself on electric guitar and did... I think it was Black by Pearl Probably Jam. I was going to say Pearl Jam. And, uh, sure wasn't Jeremy. And, uh, <laughs> no, it was not. No, and, but I remember <laughs> I was like, man, I want to do that one day. And, of course, this is years later before I even started playing guitar. But, you know, growing up, going to the lake, hearing Jeff and Daryl Ray play and Neil, I would always sit back. I always enjoyed it. And I always thought, man, I want to do that sometime. And I felt... I don't have any natural musical ability. You know, I don't know that I'll be able to play with these guys. And so for me, it was kind of probably just a personal intellectual challenge, maybe to learn guitar, something I always wanted to do, even though I didn't really see myself as a musician. So I picked that up. I could play just basic rhythm. I mean, still to this day, I can just play basic rhythm. I learned the scales at one point, but I couldn't play lead if my life depended on it. I mean, (laughs) like even playing in a group, 
I can sit down and kind of, usually if, if I'm not the one playing guitar, I'll just kind of jump on a box drum or something and kind of go to percussion to play along because I, I have a hard time kind of just finding a, a place to play lead or, or even C chord changes or whatever. Has Neil ever invited you to be in one of his bands? We've yeah, played. We've yeah, played actually, music. he has, and we've played together. We've played out a few times. I mean, I was doing basic percussion stuff, and it's funny. Actually, I, I was kind of trying to find some of those old albums, and I found pictures when we played at Wix. It, it was like a benefit <laughs> thing, I think. So Neil was playing. I had my just a few drums set up with brushes, and I think I played a couple songs. Probably yeah. not very well, but we had a good time. We had I mean, fun, and I think uh, you know Neil would call me every once in a while, and I'd bring some little bongos or or a djembe or something like that and kind of play percussion in the background brent and i always kind of had timing issues too anytime that i was with not with the band he was with the band anytime i was with the band he wasn't and then you know just working all those other things it's and i think that probably i'm i'm searching for something that he he's not i think i've realized that in some of the past podcasts that you know i really love playing out and performing and reaching and trying to continue not, not necessarily to make it a living not do it for a living but even continue with the songwriting and try to still remain somewhat serious about it where i don't know if that's like he, he doesn't consider himself a songwriter or a musician it's hard to <laughs> i had you know kind of going from there so i played guitar dabbled a little bit my dad was always like You've been playing guitar for three years. I've never heard you sing a song or anything. And, and, you know, at that time, I hadn't even tried to sing. Didn't you start drums before guitar? No. So, okay. So I played guitar when I was 17. I didn't start playing drums until I was 20. So, so what happened between, you said you were about 12 when you watched Neil play for the crowd and really liked that, wanted to get into it. Did you play any at all between 12 and 17? No. I mean, I listened so to music all the time. So for five years, you just sitting back saying, man, I'm going to do it someday. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I just had never really done it. And then finally, when I was 17, I decided I wanted a guitar. I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. My buddy, George Jenkins, who I played in a band with him, I, I'll kind of go into that. But he was a phenomenal drummer. He played with Scott Boone, Scotty Lust. Scotty Lust uh, and the Two Timers? They were in several Sound bands like when I was in high school, too. I'd watch them play all the time and was like, man, I kind of want to do that. And... I decided, you know what, I think I want to play drums. So I got my first drum set when I was 20. I didn't really take lessons. Like, honestly, I would just put headphones on and play albums and just in my room, just play along with it. And I was living at home at the time because I was still at UofL. So I would try not to play late when, you know. Did they come pretty easy to you, um, drums? I think drums came pretty naturally. And for me, it was more, I'm so left-brained. I think it, it kind of made sense mathematical and the patterns and everything. And so for me, it was... It's a little bit trippy here, you know? Because it's like this talking is just to yourself. Like, just like you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, the episode, well, by the time this comes on, it would have aired, but we were talking about singing. Neil asked me the question when I first started playing guitar, did I sing? I said, yeah, I did that from the start. And he said, that's probably good. I can remember struggling with it, but it wasn't real hard to me. And I was connecting it to drums. Drums came pretty simple to me. I mean, I was able to sit down and I was able to use different limbs independently well you know i found out later most people can't do that nope. so i'm sitting here thinking you know we we're both math teachers math people and when i hear you talk about so far i mean i've made two connections right off the bat playing and learning to play in patterns and picking up the drums pretty easily and i'm wondering what the math hey, music uh, connection Brent, I got is a there. question are you a linear thinker <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I guess so. I don't know. And that's like, well, when you're talking about, and that's why I think when I write songs, Neil, Neil thinks it's so different and outside the box. But for me, it makes sense. Like, to me, it seems unoriginal with the way I lay it out. And it's maybe because I'm just, I'm merging different. And maybe it's because I don't have a music background. I can't read music. I don't really know structures inside and out or scales. Like Neil and I were playing with Lee Donahue. The other, we were, were just in my house, just kind of jamming around. And Neil was like, what about this? Where should we go? And I was like, what about this? And Neil was like, it doesn't sound right. And I'm like, it sounds right to me. Like it makes sense <laughs> to my brain. I don't, it's probably not the way you're supposed to write a song, but well, I, tell I guess you that's what I've done. Like, so Neil's brain's not normal though. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably right. I'm not going to deny that in any in any capacity. What's normal, right? That's true. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's weird. I think that growing up with music around you as much as it was, because it always was. Anytime that, even if you're not listening to it in your room, it's hard to not be around it when there was any time that we, you were at parties or anything, because you were always with around me and we were always listening to the same people and have that same influence that that give you that feeling of man i i don't know what it is but i want to do this and the funny part is jeff and and, and daryl and the broken arrow band and all of those that that group of people have inspired a ton of kids that were our age and are now who we are to play music i mean me you Lee now, who has started to play in his late 30s and has just picked it up like that. And granted, he has the, the music gene, but he also has been around it so long, it's almost hard not to. Nathan, Max, Matt's youngest son, is a phenomenal singer and performer. I mean, there's just the lineage from that that little group right there is so big of people that, that music is important to them and that's that's what's kind of blows my mind sometimes is is musician or not it, it all stems from this little group of of people that always had a guitar and a song and and it's crazy to think what that is and what it looks like you know 20 30 40 years later and even my dad you know he writes songs he's not a musician he has the best song in the history you'll, of songs. You'll, you're gonna have to have him on the podcast to sing his song <laughs> My friend Gary and I did a cover of it, but it doesn't do it justice. You'll you'll have to have him actually do it. Uh, and what is the title of that song? <laughs> the thing that wouldn't leave. <laughs> I'll let I'll, you're gonna have to have him tell the it's, story. It's a great one. There's so many so many Jack West stories and, and amazing stories, and that was part of part of the the reason I love some of Brent's the demo stuff that you recorded that were stories that I I've known about. Uh, Flash Flood. I mean, it's a real story about how him and his brother saved his dad's life. And, and uh, Green Bay, which is about... <laughs> we won't say who, but that's a funny story. Green Bay is one of the best stories that he turned into a song ever. It's hilarious, and, and you need to tell that story. Can we play and, it on the podcast? Yeah, we can play it, right? No? Uh, uh, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe. What about Flash Flood? Flash flood, definitely. I mean, here's here's the thing with Brett, and, and this is being 100% honest, other than the Scotty Lust and, and any of the stuff that Brent has played drums on, 
all the other stuff, there's been very, very, very few people that have heard it. So you don't like being the front man? No. And a lot of those songs, Neil begged me to share my library with him, but there's a lot of songs on there that I've never shared with anybody. And I wrote a lot of these songs. It was probably a window between like 2007, 2009. Hey, boy, does that sound familiar to you too? And I haven't done much in the last 10 years, honestly, just besides learning songs to play around the campfire. But it was kind of leading up to that. Um, So I played, learned drums, and then uh, I was in college, and some of my buddies, we got together and started playing for fun. And this is probably the most fun band I've ever played in. Where'd you go uh, to school? UofL. And what band was that? The Ramp Agents? The Ramp Agents. Oh, you I never, still got a shirt. You never saw us, did I you? I did see oh, you at I your thought house. you were in Lexington. Okay, so the first show was my graduation party. I saw you. And I played drums. It was awesome. So George was a drummer, and uh, he became the front man, mainly because of his antics. And But it, <laughs> it, it, we were a party band. So we took all of these cheesy 80s songs, and we played them like punk rock style. <laughs> Um, like I mean, what? Like uh, Hungry Like the Wolf, uh, <laughs> Karma Chameleon, Hold Me Now by the Thompson Twins, Don't You Forget About Me. And you did all those punk style. We did them all punk rock style. We, I mean, we would dress up, you know, denim and armbands and headbands. I'd take my shirt off I'd, in the middle of the show and George would drink a beer out of his shoe. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it, it was crazy. So we played at my graduation party and then... <laughs> we played at the Rudyard Kipling several times down on Oak Street. It's closed now. Yeah, the Rudyard. I mean, we would have like 200 people show up, and we were terrible. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was it was a good time, but that but I, not only was it fun, but that actually taught me how to play in a band with other people because George was kind of the mastermind. So he would take the songs and rearrange them and. He would sit down. He he played drums left-handed, but he would basically sit down, and I would flip his drum set around, and he would say, "Do this right here, and here, do this build, and stop." And he would just kind of play it, and I'd watch him, and then I would play it back, right? You know, it, basically, it taught me, I guess, dynamics and builds, and and how to make a song interesting. And I played with my good buddy Gary. He played, I think he played guitar at first, so we were four piece. We practiced at, at George's and played several shows, and so that was. A really good time and how long did you do that probably two years that kind of developed into scotty less than the two-timers so then we became more serious and right you know scott wrote most of the songs and they were all originals and so uh gary he played bass with scotty less so gary and i had played together we were pretty tight as like a rhythm section Mm -hmm. and and that kind of taught me i guess how to basically play in a band with other people and, and timing and everything. And that was, and, and it was loud, you know, rock and roll, punk. It was hitting the drums as hard as you can and amps all the way up. It was, it was, <laughs> it was fun. And then, so they kind of did their own thing. And at the time, around that time, I guess I was getting close to finishing school and kind of decided, so I was, not only was I the drummer, I was also the guy with the van. <laughs> so I had a, I had an eight passenger Dodge van Smurf blue, Looked just like yeah that I bought from uh, my buddy's dad for a thousand. That was the best thousand dollars I've ever spent in my life. <laughs> How long did you have that thing? Um, probably five or six years. So we take the seats out and put our equipment in there. Actually, I drove it all around the country one summer too, all the way to California and up New England. And 
Man, I still miss that van. It's a good I keep, van. van. I keep telling Jesse I'm going to get another van one day. But um, <laughs> no, so you know we were playing out late at bars, and and I was the guy with the van. So we'd load the equipment up and get home at three, four in the morning. And I had just bought a house and was just kind of starting a career. And of course, I felt bad with their gear in there in the winter time. So I'd, I'd take it oh. in my basement. And the next morning, I'd wake up and haul it back to the practice space. And I mean, like I said, I never wanted to, I guess, pursue that seriously. So for me, it was, it was fun while it lasted. And then a band that we played with at the time, Slithering Beast, we had played some shows with them and I saw these guys play and I was blown away. It was, it was like a punk country, all originals. And, uh, punk country. Punk country. It's interesting. So Nick Dittmeyer was the, uh, he wrote all the songs for Southering Beast, and he still plays around all the time. Yeah, um, he plays all around the region. He's they've gone to Europe a few times recently. He's he's been on WFPK Live mm-hmm. Lunch. He's probably one of the best musicians I've ever played with. He called me. We kind of became friends. He called me and said, "Hey, do you play banjo?" And I said, "No." I said, "I have a six string banjo. <laughs> I don't really know how to." Play. I mean, that's not banjo. And uh, he called me one day, and they needed a drummer. So I played drums with with Slithering Beast for probably a year and a half or two. And at that time, he was he was kind of phasing out of Slithering Beast. He, he's retired those songs. They're not even, you can't even find them on the internet anymore. But they, there was almost like a cult following with that band. Um, we played Pittsburgh. We went to Bloomington, Chicago, Evansville. We did play some shows kind of regionally. There's not too many people that's had that opportunity. I mean, how can you not call yourself a musician? <laughs> Well, I mean, looking back, I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess so. But I never really wanted to, I guess, pursue that full time or anything. That's pretty cool uh, gig there. And and like I said, Nick was kind of phasing out of Southern Beast more into singer songwriter kind of what, folk uh, songs. Nick Dittmeyer and the Sawdusters. Yes, yeah, and I still go watch them play when anytime they're around Louisville. Yeah. Um, but at the time, so Nick would write the songs and he played lead. And we had a bass player, and I played drums, and his dad played pedal steel in the band. His dad had knew a guy that kind of made, built pedal steels. And so it was a really, really cool sound. Nick is probably one of the best songwriters, flat pickers I've ever seen. I mean, to play lead the way that he does with, you know, just a clean guitar. And it, it's a different style. It's, you have to check, you have to check him out. Um, so we, we, you know, we played those shows, and it got to the point where, he did kind of want to take it to the next level. And I remember at the time, I, I really didn't want to do that. I was, you know, I didn't want to commit. And so we played, I think, that last show, show in Chicago. And then I said, you know, I'm kind of taking a step back. And it, like I said, it was fun. I don't have any regrets, but that really wasn't the path that I wanted to take. But playing with, with Nick and his dad, and Matt was the bass player at the time, I went from rock and roll, punk rock, playing as hard as, fast as you could to all of a sudden we went to such a controlled sound and it was i was like man i can hear everything <laughs> it, was a, it was the first time it was the first time like practicing you know i actually can hear all the instruments and everybody's playing quiet and i didn't have to hit the drums really hard and i stripped my drum set back i, I think i had one tom and and one cymbal because it's all that it called for. And, and that makes it a lot nicer on that gig night, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Okay. It's a lot, oh, not only is it easier yeah, for equipment-wise, but I think it, it made me a better musician because 
I realized it didn't need anything fancy. It just, whatever the music called for, it was right there and, and it was on point. Nothing crazy, but it taught me how, how to play what's needed. I don't want to warn you, but you better watch. You just called yourself a musician. <laughs> See, I told you, man, it's just because I think part of your hold up in musician is, is, is I look at you as this creative songwriter as well as just a drummer. If you just looked at one thing, okay, I'm a drummer. Okay, yeah, I, I was a, a traveling drummer. That that makes you feel a little bit more. But uh, the insecurity in the in the songwriting process and and really just putting it all out there that i think that's why what may hold you back a little bit from saying yeah i'm a full-blown musician but let me be that i continue to tell you you are a musician you're a songwriter you're a musician you've, you've written songs it doesn't matter if it's a small window or not which like i said probably rung a bell to you because he wrote all his songs and a, a quick burst it doesn't mean you are not a songwriter you've written songs you have them they're recorded you're a songwriter i'm about due to write a few more uh, exactly I think, well i think i'm getting there too because neil and lee <laughs> have really been pushing me and kind of inspiring me to get back into it here it's lately just, so it's just i a think it's time man. i think it's time brad well there's not there you go both there, there's not many people <laughs> who have done a small regional tour like that you know no. i mean you could call that a regional tour that's a that's a that's a, that's a uh, an I don't Eastern know if it was a tour regional. per se it was like it was like one off weekend it, it wasn't like a but yeah that's a, <laughs> it, was, it was fun that had to be fun though what, fun. what didn't you like about it um, you said you knew you didn't want to so so I like I liked playing live every now and then. Like for me it was fun maybe once a month or twice a month, but the pra- you know practicing 2 3 days a week. I guess I just wasn't into it that much and it was kind of around that time too that I, as I was becoming I guess better. I'm not going to use the M word. <laughs> as I was no as I was becoming better and kind of hearing different styles of music. I played so many different styles of music. I did start to have ideas of my own and I kind of wanted to write some of my own songs and record some of my own songs. And I never, I mean, I never planned on playing those songs out or even releasing them at all. It was kind of for me, just like a personal, just a creative outlet. Yeah. Just an outlet and a, and a personal challenge just to say, okay. And, and like Neil said, I consider myself like Jack of all trades, master of none. And so (laughs) for me, it was like, Hey, let me write some songs and, I want to do the drum, drums, guitar, bass, harmonica, uh, vocals, and and with that being said, I think for me, like the the lyrics and singing part is the, probably I feel my biggest weakness, or or I'm self conscious about that that's part. When you, I have when, more confidence most, in the instruments. When it's when you're most wide open and exposed, honestly, because yeah. not only are you singing, but you're saying something too, and you wrote the words, so you're putting yourself out there not only in a way that. All right, this is what my voice sounds like when I'm trying to sing, but it, these are this is what I'm thinking at the time. I wonder what percentage of people love the sound of their voice. About like six. Ariana Grande and about six other people. I bet it's not even that high. Oh, you mean six people. I thought yeah. you meant six percent. <laughs> I just, man, it's, it's, it's the weirdest thing to hear your voice, isn't it? Yeah. It's so strange. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Crap! I've been trying not to say that. Say what? It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to edit that out? Yeah, no, nah, it don't matter. Ooh, I almost forgot. Uh oh. The best show we ever played. 
Was, Who? It, I was I was with Scotty Lust. Okay. And um, actually, Kim, uh-huh. she she was booking the show for the Misfits 30th. What was their their uh, reunion tour? 30th year anniversary reunion anniversary tour. reunion and um, so. I know, I think your dad referenced the Misfits back in the day. This was the punk rock Misfits. This was the this Misfits. Was, this wasn't Larry Bond. This no, is not Larry Bond. No. This was the Misfits. We, we got to open up for the mis, the Misfits at Expo 5, and yeah. there were probably about 800 people there. It was insane. That was definitely that the was, most people I've ever played in front of. And how cool was that, that show? Was, that was awesome. Oh, my gosh. That was, <laughs> yeah. Hey, that was another night I was standing in the back jealous. <laughs> Come on, that's positive. The Playing misfit, with them, I think the Misfits. They they played like forty minute and a half songs. <laughs> as fast as fast as you could possibly play. Here's another one. That was awesome. That was good. You you know one thing I have noticed about myself listening to these podcasts. What I make a lot of sound effects, don't I? Go for it. You jingle your ice cubes a lot. I'm out of ice cubes. I tried to jingle just now. Was, I'm not, hold on. All right. How many bands have you played with so far that we've talked about? The Ramp Agents, Scotty Lust, and then Slithering Beast, Nick Dittmeyer. So before we go on, I, I do have a question for you. You know, you've talked about you like to play a few nights a month or whatever and didn't want to practice three nights a week. Do you change interest a lot? You get into something real heavily for a while, and then it just kind of goes away, and then you get into something else heavily for a while. Yeah, so so I do do that, and that's and so I think, I, I think for me, I think we're brothers. We're we brothers. Are we on the same page? Yeah. So yeah, I, I go through phases, and and it's like when I'm locked in on something, I'm all in, and and music for me was during that probably ten year window. I don't know. I was playing with so many different people and different experiences and listening to music. And So what happened after the uh, Scotty Lust and the two-timers? That yep. was? Mm-hmm. Good job. What happened after that? That's when you started writing, right? Correct? Or was no, that when so, you went Slithering Beast? Well, during, the, during that time is when I kind of started writing. So my friend Gary, uh, he, he lived with us at the time, and we had played music together. So Gary and I wrote some songs together, and some of you know most of those were kind of funny songs just about our friends and stuff like that then i could i was working on some of my own and that was about the time i was playing with slithering beast also it all kind of overlapped probably two-year window what year is this so this is probably 2007 to 2009 okay about 10 years ago yeah not that long ago. years ago we're within a window where you can still just do it again i'm getting ready i've been talking to neil about it so back when i did record in our old house, we had an old 1925 Cape Cod, you know, over there, Germantown area. And I recorded everything in the house, and I kind of experimented in different rooms with different instruments. And you recorded on a Tascam or something like that, like digital mini-disc recorder, I right? I Tascam. I, I can't remember if it was an 8 or a 12 track, but I recorded everything on that. And it was mini-disc? I, yeah, I think so. And I sold I'm so mad at myself. I sold it so I don't have the original, fi- like... Going back and listening to the songs, I hear mistakes or things I want to fix now, but I don't have the raw tracks to That's be able Brad's to go back and do it. That's part about recording is uh, how it... <laughs> But that whole process, I know you all have been talking about the recording process, that was interesting to me also. And one thing I really got, I was telling Neil about this, and then I heard you say it on the podcast, Brad, was I had read an article about panning the uh, field where mm-hmm. the 180-degree field, like you're watching a band live, 
And so I, I played around with kind of painting everything in its own little slot to kind of give it space in the yeah. recording. Makes such a big difference. And it difference. does make a big difference. And I had a lot of fun kind of messing around with that in the process. And then for me, drums was probably, I did the most experimentation with drums and, and percussion. So I tried it in the bedroom. I took my drums down to my parents' lake house and they have higher ceilings there, but it was carpet and I didn't like that sound. And the best sound I got was in the basement, believe it or not, our concrete basement. But I close mic the drums and I had two overheads and then I had a condenser mic and I would just kind of experiment with different distances on the room mic until I finally got a sound that I liked. But getting back into music, we just moved into a new house and so I made a dedicated room for my music room. So I'll be more likely nice. to go in there and play and I'm Dude. trying to get all my equipment set wait, up. Wait till you, he's going to have a John Bonham drum sound with this uh, great room that he has upstairs. Everything's wood. The ceiling's wood. Everything is wood. Yeah. It's going to be... I can't wait to record drums it's upstairs. It's going to be insane. It's kind of vaulted uh, cedar ceilings, wood floors. But we were playing guitar up there, and there's a, there's such a natural reverb in there. Like, Neil was playing, and I recorded him, and he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm loud. Dude, So loud. That, room, that room is... It, it, sounds, it has some cool sounds. I want to try to record drums in an upstairs room and put a bunch of different room mics at different distances, and maybe even put some downstairs in the stairwell. But I think I'm going to try to get some really neat drum sounds out of that room. What do you play most now, drums or guitar? Um, mainly just my six-string acoustic. So my drums, I've, I have played a little more lately. Honestly, I pro they were in my basement. I probably didn't touch them for seven or eight years. They were just kind of there. It, drums are one of those things where it's like, unless you're playing with somebody else, you know. I don't, it's hard. I, yeah. I, don't, I usually don't just jump on there and, and play. It's a hard practice instrument. Yeah. Do you play your guitar every day? No. Um, very rarely. I, I pick it up, I don't know, maybe once a month or so. I'm, I'm hoping to get back into it more. But And so once I, I recorded all those songs, and I never let anybody listen to them, really. <laughs> and never my dad's my dad's the one that's always like let's let's my, play one my parents are like we never we we'll never one? heard you let's, sing let's play one what do you what do you want to uh, hear let's play one God. what's it gonna pick be pick one out what do you got on there well i got them all you know i've got all of them how about jimmy jones let's listen to jimmy jones i've heard that a couple times i've talked about that song so many times can we Neil play Lo jimmy jones loves it. yeah i don't well i don't it, think it's a great song but i'll give you the story behind it after now all right well, let's listen mm -hmm. to it all right It's already late and I'm on top of the evening Jimmy walks in right out, right out of the breezeway Shirt and tie tucked in, he sits, he sits and just stands there Tales of love and dirty deeds, alligators the the champagne Keep one eye on the door, drive a seat and captain said Jimmy Jones is one of my favorites yeah. ever. Uh, yeah. So, 
before I knew what it was about, I just heard it and I was like, this is cool. So this I, is a is cool there, song. There's like somebody just kind of talking the vocals real low in a mix or something. That was me. So I did like several vocal tracks on there, I okay. think, in the background. I guess it was to give it kind of like a airy feel. Please, for the love of God, tell me about that story. So, Jimmy, this is a real, real story. Jimmy Jones is a real dude. This is a real story. Okay, let me see how let me see how well I remember this. And I was going. I found the Scotty Les CD liner notes, and there was a thank you in there to Jim. Something about Jimmy Jones in there too <laughs> that I found the other day. So we played a show in Metropolis, Illinois, right across from Paducah. We drove down there in my van, and we played this show. And we were staying at this old, old hotel on the river there. It was like this old stately hotel. You could tell back in the day, like it was probably like the nicest hotel in Paducah. So as we're driving back across the bridge, there's a crazy lightning storm just coming. We see it coming. So when we get there, the power's out in the hotel, pitch black. And we had a cooler full of beer, so... (laughs) We're just kind of <laughs> hanging a van, out. A van and a cooler full of beer. Is this your had. Smurf blue van? Yeah, yeah. We're just, we're just hanging out. There's like an indoor pool, this big open area. You know, all the rooms kind of open in. So we're down there hanging out, and everybody comes out, and people are just, you know, drinking beer, hanging out. And there's a guy in a conductor hat. There's, a, <laughs> there's an old man in a conductor hat, and he, his buddy's with him. We're like, okay. So we start talking to the guy or whatever. He tells us he has his tour van out back from like the 50s. We go out there and this this thing is straight out of the 50s. I mean, red carpet. There he's playing like eight tracks with Jerry Reed and his his buddies on the bus, chain smoking cigarettes and he's got pictures and he's telling us these crazy stories. We can barely understand them. So you all are driving now. You're in the no, bus. No, no. Okay. So it's parked. It's okay. parked. But so we get on. I think it was Gary and Scott and I and we get on the back and we're just kinda hanging out and he he's standing in front of the doorway and his buddy and like this just goes on and on. He's telling us stories and finally I'm like we look at each other. It started getting kind of weird and we're like, this guy's going to just drive off and nobody's ever going to see us again. And I mean, it's dark and storming and I don't know. It was, it was surreal. It's so, so that's Jimmy. That was Jimmy Jones. Jimmy Jones, man. Jimmy, Jimmy Jones. Jones is creepy. Hey, I mean, seriously. I, I, and we couldn't even, we couldn't understand him. It was, you know, bits and pieces of stories about, bourbon and alligators and all kinds of crazy stuff i have no idea so when did you write the song um it was probably i don't know maybe a few months after that that story stuck with you enough to be like man that that that's gonna be a song that was a fun trip we they didn't charge anybody for our hotel rooms since the Ooh. power was out all night. So y'all actually like, made some money that tour. I think we probably spent it all at breakfast the next morning. That's <laughs> <laughs> one of my my favorite man. I love that song. I've loved that song from the very first time that I heard it. So is that just you and the guitar? That no, was that ganjo. That was it, just it? me playing the six string banjo. Uh, banjo. And banjo. I, I think mm-hmm. for the percussion, I was tapping on the uh, body or tapping on the the stock of the banjo with like oh, really? finger picks and i think i i think the i hit the viber slap a few times in there yes i was yeah i heard the viber slap I, so a lot of the stuff i did i was just kind of experimenting with i had 
I had a glockenspiel and all kinds of percussion instruments, harmonicas, and it was just recording. What is a just, glockenspiel? It's like a metal xylophone. You hit it with mm-hmm. each one is a different note. Uh, and if we listen to Dreaming in a uh, Dreaming in a Dream, it has a lot of that on there. Is so that a Brit can, song? That's a Brit song. That might song. be the only one that actually has the Glockenspiel. Yeah, I think we should listen well, to that. We got to hear at least the beginning, you know, right? Any any it, instrument just the called yeah, a Glockenspiel. Just the beginning, it, yeah. And yeah. I, actually, I think I let Scott Boone borrow that. I don't think I ever got it back. I'm, I'm gonna Scott have to Boone. I'm going to have to track give that down. That, but I tell you what, Scott, come up and do a podcast. Boom, boom. Give, uh, Scott needs to come on here. Give that back. You need to have Is Scott, that Scotty Lust? Scott Scotty Lust. Lust. Yeah, yeah. Scotty Lust. So where's he live? He lives. He's uh, close. He's a mailman, yeah. isn't he? Is he still um, doing that? He was just like a mile from our old house down around like Germantown. Yeah, he's he's still a mailman. There you go. Look him up, Neil. Oh, he's yeah. on the list. He's on the list. Scotty Boone. He's, Lust is on the list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we should do Dreaming dreaming in a Dream. You want to do it now? Yeah. Just, let's, let's, no, uh, let's do it that for Just so we can hear what the, uh, the, Glockenspiel. the Glockenspiel sounds like. Did I say like. right? Glockenspiel? Glockenspiel. Glockenspiel. Dreaming in a Dream. Here we go. Dreaming in a dream I saw you there I was seventeen You were make-believe I saw you there When I was fast asleep Dreaming of the green grass Old Kentucky blue grass you got no grass, you got nowhere to play. Dreaming of the green grass, oh Kentucky blue grass. If you got no grass, you got nothing to say. I thought that you had left. I woke up. Like What's that, that called? Dreaming in uh, a dream. Dreaming in a dream. That's actually kind of a true story too. Let's hear it. I had a dream that I was dreaming inside of a dream. Is that sleep that's paralysis? Like a, that's like Inception stuff, right there. It was. There, it was. It was like. So you I, literally I had a dream inside a dream? Yes, I swear. And like, I think I remember. I woke up and told Gary about it. <laughs> Do you remember the dream? No, I really don't. How cool would that have been if you remember the dream you were dreaming inside your dream? <laughs> it was a, it was a, about a song called Dreaming in a Dream. So you woke up and wrote it. All yeah. right, so one of the a crazy story that I remember even hearing before ever understanding there was a song about it was the story about the flood, the flash flood, while you guys... These songs are good. Let's let's hear Flash Flood. <laughs> okay. Is it okay? Yeah. Right. Go for it. Have you, you never I, played these for anybody? No. 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 And I haven't told this story in a, in a long time. But uh, Tell right. the story first. Then we'll are you good with it, Brent? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go with it. Now, now's the time. What, 10 years? Now's the time. I mean, really? Um, basically, I think I was 13, and... Um, we used to go stream stream fishing with my dad and uncles and my brother. And what's your brother Ryan? My brother Ryan. So one, Great guy. one awesome day, um, 
we went stream fishing at the Elkhorn River. I think it's outside of Frankfurt. Beautiful day. We fished most of the day. Didn't really catch much. And then all of a sudden the water started coming up. And we found out later there was a bunch of rain upstream, way upstream. And so, I mean, it started coming as a flash flood. And we were across from where we had parked. And in hindsight, I mean, we underestimated the situation, I guess. So were you all able to walk across the creek? Well, we started to walk across, and then the current was moving so swift, you know, we tried sticks bracing ourselves. And but, I mean, you got you guys got across to the other side originally by walking across yeah, the stream? Yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah. it was probably halfway up to your knee. And then, it, I mean, it just came, it was coming up quick, and it was either go across the really wide part where it's shallow or narrow part where the water's moving a lot faster, deeper. And there was kind of a little backwater eddy. I looked up and Ron and I were up, my dad was kind of behind us and we thought, come on, we'll just swim across and we'll hit the backwater. The current's going to carry us down, but it'll, you know, we'll end up over here. So Ron and I kind of went up, went across and it carried us a lot farther than we thought, but we did wind up, you know, hit the other side kind of a cliff wall there ryan i looked back he was i don't know eight or nine so i kind of grabbed him made sure that he was all right and uh i looked back and i saw my dad on the other side and this was like a really weird out-of-body experience that i've never experienced since that day but it was like something took over my body and i started running to a spot i saw him getting ready to go across and so he was swimming, he had our poles in his hand and his uh, vest on. And about halfway he started to go under. And somehow I wound up, I sprinted to that spot and I was standing right there when he went by and grabbed him. Crazy. Isn't that weird? And, and it was like, I pulled him out with one arm, like superhuman strength, like adrenaline rush, I guess. It's one of two things. And we just kind of, we got in the car, didn't say a word. <laughs> and, uh... So that's one of two things, either divine intervention or some hellacious mathematical calculations. That's where he started the genius. He's like, you can't tell that story around your dad, man. He started tearing up. He does. He's heard me tell a story before, and I've heard him tell it. Does he like the song? It's been a while. You know what? I'll be honest. I don't know if he has. So... I don't think there's a lot of these songs. I don't think anybody's ever heard. Oh wow, yeah. man, we got we get a lot of first on the top hill. I'm telling podcast, you what, man, we really get cool people podcast. out of their shell, don't we? It's like, come on, man, this is a really cool. That, that, and that's what I love about uh, Brent and, and what he in, uh, inspires out of me is is these songs are real. Some of these stories are almost word for word stories. It's crazy. So let's hear Flash Flood. Let out a cry, oh 
tell the story I mean, it's like right in there so how, how long after you uh after that happened that you wrote that song do you remember um years oh years. yeah that happened yeah. when i was 13 i wrote that song i was probably 20. 26 27 yeah. Maybe. So that memory was burned in but now i did write i wrote about it in high school i remember I, I did write like dude, for like english class and, essay or something yeah like a yeah. story but we, you touched on it last his dad is a master storyteller, so he gets that honestly. So not only is he a master storyteller, but now he can play music, so all he's got to really do is put his dad's craft of master storytelling yeah. to... I don't consider myself a storyteller either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's funny. Oh, man, yeah, so... I'm in a mood now. I just want to listen to Brent West. I just, uh, dude, I sent them all to you. Neil's going to make it. me release them all. I need, I, need I, to, I need to organize them all because That's, Neil's heard them, but so the first... I don't even think I went into this. The first album I recorded when I was probably 21... I had literally been playing drums for six months, guitar, not long. You know, I was kind of going through a transition and first breakup. And so that one was kind of a outlet for me. And, and I, don't, I really didn't let anybody listen to that one either. And it's really, really raw. I mean, I listen to that one now. There's, I rented a thing from the doo-wop for like a month. So I did it fast and there's all kinds of mistakes on it. But for me at the time, it was just kind of get everything out there and some of them I listened back to and just not knowing anything about music some of the things I did I'm like whoa that was kind of cool like <laughs> uh, you know just I want to go back musically to some of those um, I, think, I think that's your instinct though your instinct is is, is always kind of been that is to I, it's not that it's not necessarily like the right music thing to do or not it's just you've always had this weird instinct to go in a spot that not and and probably you listen to the original stuff now is part of that. You're going, why did I do that? That didn't make sense now that yeah. I know what I know. I think that's a lot of what I speak to when I speak to the way that I admire how you think and how, how you do create. It's it's not 100% in line with this goes here, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here, which makes it interesting for somebody like me, which... So let me ask a question. The three songs we just heard, if you had to tag those on Spotify with the genre, what would you put? <laughs> oh, man, that's a tough question. So I was thinking about that because I think you all touched on, on I think you said on one of the podcasts, Brad, that when Neil said different thinkers, you said probably influenced by what they listen to or what they play. So a lot of the later stuff like that was influenced by music I listened to and bands I had played in playing with with Scott Boone and Nick Dittmeyer. And, I mean, honestly, if you listen to the first one, it's probably more like 90s 
grunge rock. And later on, I mean, I'm a huge Neil Young fan. Um, oh, I listen yeah, to Neil yeah. Young, the Beatles. I could see that. Yeah. If if you, it's probably like Nirvana, Neil Young, the Violent Femmes. Johnny, you know, normal stuff everybody Johnny, listens Johnny to. Johnny Cash had a Johnny baby. Cash, I mean, yeah. it's like, but for me, it's probably just bits and pieces of everything that I listen to. And a lot of times, like, a lot of the, those songs I wrote for me, I really never intended on anybody hearing them. So I think I wrote songs that I would like to listen to based on the music I like. So for me, that's why I think it's maybe more unoriginal, but it's probably bits and pieces of artists I like like merged together into one. I'm, maybe, glad, you, I'm glad you're letting people listen to them, it, letting us hear them, because they're entertaining. I, maybe, I enjoy listening to that's those. That's part of the reason why, like Neil says, it doesn't make sense logically, because I think it may be bits and pieces of different styles of artists blended into the same song. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, you say Neil Young, you can hear Neil Young. Then you have that Nirvana influence, in it, and it's definitely in, inspires some of that offbeat, which I do too. I love Nirvana. I love all kinds of eclectic music in different styles. And I think that speaks to why we've been so interested in, in all these. Everybody that we've had up here has been so different. And it, it's just genre bending around here. But the Neil Young and all the old influences mixed with the new influences definitely create this different thing that you do that is as soon as he said Neil Young, you can definitely see the influence of Neil Young. For sure. I'm so all these, so we listen yeah. to those three songs, Jimmy Jones, Dreaming in a Dream, and Flash Flood. They're all from an album, Shades of Navy. Well, so Shades of Navy is kind of the artist's name, and that was... It started as a joke because my friends would always make fun of me because I would always just wear like solid navy shirts or you got a lot of blue I, on I tonight <laughs> hey see if you look in my closet it's it's all shades of, it's all shades of blue and gray so my friends my buddies would make fun of me and they shades of navy. i think it was george jenkins he would either call me johnny earth tones or shades of navy and so when i record when i recorded those songs george was like you're sh- well, you're Shades of Navy, man, and so I don't know. It just it just stuck. So it's I always, a great band. I name. always use that name on the stuff, like the stuff I did with the by myself with the full band, where it was like drums yeah. and guitar, bass. So Neil, you you listen to these songs from time to time. What's another one stands out in your mind? Because I want to hear one more. Um, I like uh, Many Moons, which is another different one. Can we play Many Moons, Brent? I mean, there's, dude. Brent's ready to let these I, out. He's ready I, to have an album release I love, party. I love them all. There's I, not I, anything. There's that a I lot of them I want to re-record and remaster. But well, we you got did a, all we, these on a task we, cam. We 12? got a studio yeah, I did now, them all bro. In my house. All right, we got a studio now. We can do Almost. whatever we want. Well, not quite. We're close. Yeah, we're getting close. We're getting close. The uh, Rock Wolves should come in next week, and I've uh, I've got the I'm I'm set on what we're going to do with the bass traps now. I've, I've been convinced by studying different articles that we don't want to gimp on the bass traps. So well, whatever you tell me to do, that's what we're going to do. So we're building some hellacious bass traps. <laughs> there will be no bass in this studio. It is going to be the Treble Rebel studio is what we're going to call it. Everything's going to sound like a tin can. <laughs> Not that bad. So, so Brent, here, I guess oh. the real challenge, go ahead. I got a funny Violent Femmes story. Oh, okay. Speaking of the Violent Femmes. So when I was playing in the Ramp Agents, this is probably 2003, 2004, 
Gary and I went to the Violent Femmes concert at Fourth Street Live, and we were handing out flyers. Like this is, I didn't have a cell phone at the time. I was like the last person to get a cell phone my age. <laughs> Intentionally? Like you were holding yeah, out? Kind of, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so we're handing out flyers, and I saw a girl that I knew from grade school, and uh, so she actually introduced me to Chesney that night, and I didn't know I didn't know uh, Chesney. So we met that night. I had to give her my phone number because I didn't have a cell phone. So we, you know, we hand the flyers out and everything, and I never heard from her. I'm like, okay, what kind of flyers are you handing out? It was like, you little, know, man, come for our, show, for our right? show at the Rugger Kipling. Yeah. Oh, okay. Remember when people did that? <laughs> you did yeah, flyers for shows back and in stuff? the day. Uh, I probably have that. I'd have to find one of those somewhere. But anyway. That would go on the wall downstairs. So I never Definitely. heard from her. We played at the Rugger Kipling. And she shows up to the show. And that was actually kind of how we met. But then I did find out I was living at home. She tried to call my house. And so my brother, Ryan, I mean, it's not like girls call for me all the time. And he answers the phone. She Is Brent there? No. Click. <laughs> Never told me. Didn't take a message. Didn't tell me. Sounds about right. But she came to the show, and the rest is history. Rest is history, man. That's That's your wife. For our listeners that don't know. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, so you you are the last guy to have a cell phone type. Yes, yes, I'll tell you that yeah. right now. He, it was probably I just drove around the country sense. without a cell phone. I literally so, drove around the country. You, without a you cell were phone. you were the last uh, guy to, to prove that could happen. Probably, I would I would pull out an atlas and memorize the the routes like going into the city. You know how? Can I you do imagine it? that now? Now yeah. I'm like, oh my, how did I do that? Here's how I did that. Here's his atlas. He went, <laughs> got it. <laughs> uh, so my son's name's Brent Weston. I had him in class. Yep. West had a Weston. Brent West was his teacher at one time. <laughs> yeah. Really? We, and, and they they are a lot alike. You know, my son, he's he's 26 years old, and he carries like an $18 flip phone. That's, uh, right now? Oh, yeah. He's, that's all he's ever it had. It must be the name. Well, well, one time he did have a, he, you know, he had a smartphone at one time, but he just, uh, he doesn't want to be connected. So There's bad not, nothing wrong with that. I've been off Facebook for like the last eight months almost. It's been awesome. I, I take breaks from time to time. I've been off of it for about four years, but uh, I have a so one of the things people through Kim's thing. One of the things people can never believe is that uh, well, I can't. I shouldn't say never believe, but find interesting about me is that I haven't watched the news since 2011. I love I that. I don't watch the news either. It's awesome. Well, gee, dude, <laughs> you are twins. What is going on? Hey, if you ever can't make it, Brent's going to sit in for you. And if, I'll I scroll mean, through and get the headlines I need on Courier Journal it, and the rest. I just It was kind of crazy listening to you talk about different things. <laughs> but I, I mean, also, it, I had no idea that you had this type of... Uh, band history and playing music out live in different states. I had no idea. You, you never talk about it. As, as interesting as that is, that's not why I love Brent's music. It's really, really awesome, but that's not what I'm going to talk about. I think what he writes about and and how he writes and the fact that like the recording we heard, he played the, what was it called? The Glockenspiel. Glockenspiel. He played the guitar. He played the drums. Bass. He, he played the bass on that uh, recording. That's why I'm, that interests me a lot more than playing the drums for somebody else's band. Although it's amazing that he had those experiences. But while he was having those experiences, I was 
I was doing something else, so we didn't hardly even talk about it. But those songs, you know, when I'm sitting here listening to them and hearing them for the first time, you lock into the lyrics. Oh, immediately. You just lock in on them and listen to what you what you're going to say in the next line. But that's I mean, what that's what a good songwriter does. Yeah. That's what a, that's what somebody who writes interesting lyrics and writes in an interesting way does. You you get drawn into what's what's the story about, not just. Oh, this guy met a girl and blah blah blah. No, what is the story saying? This is different. So well, when you I, when I we get the recording that. studio done, put on your best navy shirt <laughs> <laughs> and we'll record some shades of navy. All right, yeah. No, I mean there are some I definitely want to record and re and you know, re record and rework. Especially like I said, my I consider my biggest weakness the the lyrics and vocals. And I'm, not the lyrics. I'm, I'm self-conscious. Lyrics. I'm self-conscious about a lot of that, especially it. some of the, the vocals. He, you consider um, your your biggest weakness because you're self-conscious, not because they are your Especially about some of the vocals, weakness. but there. So there are some I want to re-record and maybe add like some harmonies. Oh yeah, in there and and kind of make when, some of those. A little when neither one of them are weak, they fit perfect. Nobody likes their voice, and the lyrics are definitely not weak. <laughs> that's it. Nobody Love. likes their voice. We spoke to that earlier. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's the thing that's always drawn me to to your stuff. It ain't because I've known you my whole life. If if I've known you my whole life and you, and you wrote a bunch of stuff and it sucked, we wouldn't be talking about it. I would have I listened to it a long time ago when you gave it to me, and that would have been the last time we ever heard about it. I can guarantee you people will enjoy hearing those songs oh because my gosh. I've never heard them. I've heard three of them, and I'm wanting to hear another one. And you, <laughs> meant, and you mentioned one. I, there's, Dude, there's just so many. You know what? I've, oh, I, uh, Many Moons. Yeah, Many Moons. And it's, it's a... Uh, it's like a Americana folk Tom Petty song. It's it's another completely different. Sound. Do you listen to? I bet you like Tom Petty. Oh yeah, I love Tom Petty. Yeah, I, you I can, well Neil knows. I yeah. play a lot of Tom Petty songs around. Yeah. I mean, if we're playing around the campfire, I'm playing Neil Young, Tom, Tom Petty, Petty, The Beatles. I mean, it's mostly older music. Oh, like I just that. Yeah. And so we don't have Johnny Cash, Justin Bieber. This, ep- <laughs> this episode comes out this uh, this Friday that Neil and I did just to kind of reminisce a little bit about what we've learned in the process. But we came up with a question, and I'm going to ask you, just putting you on the spot, because I did give Neil a little warning. But I'm going to see what you can come up with, because I think you could come up with an answer. If you had to name your three favorite songs, and we decided favorite is a bad word because there's so many factors, but three songs that you put at the top of your list, what would they be? And, and this means for, like, importance for you, as in... Don't try to define it for him. The three mm-hmm. songs that are on top of your list. Okay. Um, <laughs> the ones that come to mind, <laughs> I'm going to have to say probably Old Man by Neil Young. Is yes. Oh, wow. That's um, a tough great That's a great song. And that's one I have to capo it. That's, you know, anyway, i got to make it fit my, my style. I'm also, I'm going to say the band version of uh, the Bruce Springsteen song, Atlantic City. (laughs) The band version. So I've never heard any version other than yours, I don't think. Is that bad? You have to listen to the band version of that song. I'm never going to listen to the any only other band, version. The band other song than that yours. comes to mind for me that is a one, is a great song is Cripple Creek. That's a band, right? Yes, and the wait, the wait's a good song too. Yeah. Um, Sorry, guys. Up on a, Cripple Creek. That's an awesome song. I like the eye contact, but I still don't know the song. <laughs> you don't. Oh my goodness. Sorry, man. Uh, and I don't know the lyrics. That's why I was humming. 
and I'm thinking number three. Man, that's such a hard question. It's a tough question. It this is, a, is the ooh. toughest question. It, it's an impossible it, it, question. It's but, so hard. It's and, so hard to narrow it down to three. Well, and it's what what way are we narrowing it down? That's that's part of the problem. And you, you know can why you're having trouble with any. number three because you're getting ready to lock it in. Lock it in. What is it? That, that when you do have such a wide range of what you listen to, finding three songs. It's when it's he so, yeah. when he I almost. <laughs> I almost quit the podcast when he told me that that's what he wanted to do a couple weeks ago. I was like, what are you let talking me, let about? Me, can let I give me, you my top 30? Let me try and help you out. <laughs> Favorite Tom Petty song? Ooh. Ooh, probably, it's probably um, off of Wildflowers. I would say maybe Honeybee or uh, King. Is that the name of the song? King? Yeah, I was going to say Wildflowers might be my favorite. That, yeah, that's an awesome album. That's such a good, that, that album's amazing. Amazing album, and that even has you don't know how it feels on it. Yeah, but that's probably not even close to the best no. song on that album. I think Wildflowers is my favorite on that one. I would make if I had to pick a number three. It's good to be king. That's a good song. That's such a good song. I mean, I listen to such a wide variety. I probably would have to pick a Foo Fighters song, oh, and it's yeah. hard to pick a, a favorite one. But I mean, you name one, you can't go wrong with any Foo Fighters. Monkey song. Wrench, Pro- just because. Dave Grohl was a huge influence on me too, as far as you know. He wrote an album, played every instrument, so that also kind of—I mean—he kind of inspired me to want to play drums and guitar and everything else too. So, so Neil, your brother asked me a question Saturday night. Uh oh, you're stranded on an island, and you can take ten albums. Oh gosh! And you can't take any greatest hits albums. And you can't take an artist more than once. Only one album per artist. All right. Ten, All right. ten would take too long. That'd be too long. Well, let's, do, let's, let's do, do one. one. You let's gotta do, give, how about give these questions ahead of time. Let's do a, we'll do a collective <laughs> ten. Each of us get three. We have to agree on, on one. Thriller. L- let's do this first. So That's a good you one. talked about wearing out the Thriller cassette. Uh, my, thriller. Mom, my mom said I listened to it all day, I'm every in. day. That's what inspired me. Huge. So that's yours, Thriller. Okay, I've got yeah. mine. What? Appetite for destruction. All right. We going around? Yeah. Wait, now I'm thinking. No, it goes. Yeah, it's Prince's turn. This is top 10 albums of all that you would be stuck with. All right, so that's two. Do you, what do you think? You, well, here's you, my you didn't, seem, you didn't seem like GNR. No, I, I love GNR, but I thought, are we, are we all agreeing that Thriller would be an album? Because that could be the one, and then we could all have three of our own individuals. I think Thriller is, 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 is probably, are you a Thriller guy? I wasn't a thriller, thriller okay. guy. Okay. I, have, I have the album. All right, what's your, what, what do you think? I do have the album, though. I got it downstairs right now. That's one of the yeah, vinyls we have. We have it, too. Um, I'm going to say, for me, Bob Dylan, Desire. If okay. you listen to that on vinyl, okay, that's one of my favorite albums to right. listen to on vinyl. I'm not familiar with the songs on it, but I'm a Bob Dylan guy. The drum sound on that album is one of my favorite drum sounds. Some, something about it. You mentioned that. And on the Tom Petty American Girl album, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's the one think we were talking about. that's the other we one that you sent a message about. I was like, man, you got it, this one. I think I'm not too real, like like a, a sentimental must listen. I, I'm a what am I listening to right now type of person. And right now, one of the best records I've ever heard is that new Marcus King, The Well album, or El Dorado album. From from one to whatever the last number is, it is unbelievable. So I'm taking that one on an island. 
if I'm going to an island, I'm taking Bob Marley live at the Roxy. If you haven't listened to that live album, okay, it's amazing. All right, well, you got two. Oh, wait, you got Bob Dylan and you got Bob Marley. You, you're into Bob's, man. I gotta think of one more Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Seeger. Right. Bob so, Seeger. And, and you've got uh, <laughs> Appetite for Destruction so far. So, what's your second album you're taking? I'm gonna say Led Zeppelin 4. Ooh, that's a good uh, one. Zepp. You know, because I'm thinking, so if you're, if you're right, on an island, uh, you, you want to think about the album from start to end. You don't want to think about one be, song. It can't, yeah. it can't be a bang. It's got to be a banger from one to, so, to to the end of it. Appetite for Destruction was the cassette that I wore out every time Mountains. I was in the car, start got, to finish. It's got killers on it, man. That thing is awesome. That whole album's awesome. All right, y'all got two. My turn. I'm going to take Sublime. 40 ounces to freedom. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. So, between, uh, we've all got two so far. So, right now we've got Zeppelin 4, GNR Appetite for Destruction, Marcus King El Dorado, Bob Dylan. What was the album? Desire. Desire. Bob Marley, live at The Roxy. The Roxy. And then Sublime 40 Ounces to Freedom. All right. What's your third, Brad? <laughs> How many is that? That's, that's six. We all get one more, and then we have to agree on one, which I still have not put Thriller down yet. Because I don't if it's okay. not a, a complete agree, then we need to go with it. Y'all going to make fun of me for this one. All right. This should be good. Go ahead. Fleetwood Mac Rumors. Ooh. I, right. I have that album. That's it's an good, awesome it's album. It's one of the albums we have downstairs. Yeah, it's a great, great album. Yeah. I'm not making fun of it. Just about as much as I will uh, hypnotize by Biggie. That was my third of my top three favorite songs. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. <laughs> All right. Brent, what you got? I'm going to say Johnny Cash Live at Folsom Prison. Ooh. All right. And I think I'm going to go for the wild card. This is our 10th. Now, this is number nine. This is my third. 333. Three, three. We got to agree on the 10th. I'm going with the Two. record. Nope. I'm changing it. I was going to go with the record by the glutes, but I'm going with Old Crow Medicine Show, the album with. Uh, with uh, the wagon wheel, the wagon wheel record, okay. which I think it's just OCMS. That is one of the best bluegrass records I've ever heard in my life. So I'm going with Old Crow Medicine Show. We've got some variety on here. This wouldn't be a I, bad I island like mix. If you're stuck on an island, you want variety. I'm glad you're writing these down because I might go to the start going to the <laughs> antique shops and looking for these. Yeah, well, so, so here's that list. We have Chesney's, uh, her grandma's like 1950s the console full record player. We just talked, we about, talked that. about that last uh, uh, week. We, we bought a bunch of albums. It's It still sounds awesome. All right, well, here's, here's our problem. We, we have one of those in the basement. We have nine mm -hmm. albums right now. We need the 10th, and it has to be a complete agreer. Thriller's not it. What about? I, I throw one more out. Somebody said Thriller. We, we said Thriller. Is it so on there or not? It's not. I don't agree with Thriller. Because you don't agree with this okay. needs to be, and it's not any of our top threes that we'd have been individually take. we got to agree on this one. What about I throw out the White Album with the Beatles? Oh, yes. That's a good one. Yes. But I got another good Completely one. What do, you got? what do you got? Eagles, Hotel California. <sighs> I'll go White I'm, Album. I'm going White Eagles. Album. 
White Album. What do you say? Is this something that's going to be a problem on the island? Oh, man. We get two records with the White Album. Okay. (laughs) 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 Twice as many. All right, so so our 10 on on a desert island. Here we go. We got Zeppelin 4 completely into that. GNR, Appetite for Destruction, Marcus King, El Dorado, Bob Dylan, Desire, Bob Marley, Live at the Roxy, Sublime, 40 Ounces to Freedom, Fleetwood Mac, Rumors, Johnny Cash, Live at Folsom Prison, Oak Crow Medicine Show, OCMS, and the Total Agreer, the White Album by the Beatles. Dude, yes. we're going to have a good time on that island. That's a, that's a good list there. We're going to make some of that uh, uh, jailhouse wine. We're going to have a good time. <laughs> I, I'm going to I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna start looking for those albums and get those yeah, in my collection. I, I'd like to we'll, have them, too. We'll, uh, we'll tag those on our post for this, for this uh, podcast. You know, the only one that's like a sentimental favorite that's not on there for me would be Prince 1999. Ooh. It's a good one, That's but good hey, one. man, you had three choices and you didn't pick it off. So <laughs> we got to narrow it down. What are we going to do? Can, can, we, can we take 20 albums? <laughs> 30. I said 30. I think 30 would be better. 10 apiece. Yeah, and then we'll agree on 10. Then so we'll do 100 albums total. <laughs> That'll be the next one. Yeah. I mean, seriously, man, that's the crazy part about music is you can do that all day. That's the conundrum of that question when you asked me, and I looked at you like, hey, "Dude, why are you I mean, being we, we such didn't a even, jerk?" We didn't even talk about the Doors. Uh, nah. yeah, we didn't talk about the Clash. The no? When when uh, when we were driving back from Metropolis and that storm was brewing, the Clash was playing <laughs> that song Armageddon. I think when you said that, it, it jogged my memory. In, uh. in the Mystery Machine band, <laughs> perfect song <laughs> for it too. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That three favorite songs thing—it's impossible. Did you name your third? You didn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Johnny Cash falls to prison. Oh, okay. Yeah. Two Bobs and a Johnny. He went completely normal on us. He was like, "I'm going to yeah. do every normal name that, that I can yeah. think of." Do you like reggae or or do you just like Bob Marley? Um, so I mean, I do listen to reggae, but that that particular album, I can listen to that on repeat. I can listen to it driving, working out, whatever. I just the drum sound on that album and the guitar sounds. It's not like anything else Bob Marley did. Don't worry mm. about a thing. Mm-hmm. That song yeah. just makes you feel something. It makes you feel good, man. Yeah. Where's the steel drum? Just give me a steel drum and a cocktail. Yeah. You know? But on that album is probably, a lot of those songs are a little more heavy, like political. Yeah. If you listen close to the words, mm-hmm. even though even though it sounds kind of upbeat reggae, but... That that one's different. If you listen to that Bob Marley album, you'll be like, "Well, I'm going to be looking for it out at the uh, antique shops because I'm going to go after this whole ten song, ten album list here." Peddlers Malls, man, go to the Peddlers yeah. Malls. You find some of these good albums, though, man. They want fifty bucks for them. Oh yeah, yeah. Scratches and all, they don't give shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Brent, man, I'm glad we had you on the podcast, and we need to go out with another Brent West song. Want to do another Brent West? Yeah, absolutely. Originally. And I oh, think man. we need to play it start to finish. Okay, let's do that. Well, all right, well, let's. Uh, and I get, want one of the Shades of Navy. I'm, I'm digging Shades, Shades of Navy. Shades of Navy is where it's at. Isn't yeah. It? Well, let's give Brent an option on what he wants to hear. I, I've, oh, I've given you all the stuff that I love. Not well, about a, a, a tenth of the stuff I, I love. Okay, Brent, I don't I like ask, to listen to any of them. I want to ask you to do something here, yeah. okay? So, pick the song that is most memorable to you, or most means the most to you, 
and let's put it out there. Whether it's something you ever intended anybody to hear or not. Man, that's Can you tough. do it? I gotta, I gotta think about that one. <laughs> you gotta think about if you'll do it or, or what means the most to you. Well, both. Some of the songs I wrote are so personal to me, I don't even necessarily want to share them all. Don't put something out you don't you'll regret putting out. But Can let's I, uh, let's let's hold on a second because you. I like Steve, when I like it when Neil picks better. <laughs> it's it's weird because you've mentioned kind of putting putting yourself out there on stuff like that, and I never feel like that. And I'm, I mentioned that before. What is it about it that makes you feel so like? I think some of the song some of the songs are. Neil knows, and some of the songs are kind of dark and, and and sad songs, you know, about times in my life that I probably relate to more, but I don't necessarily want to share. Yeah, It, it was songs I wrote for myself that, I, you know, for me, I kind of have, Neil's probably the only person that's ever listened to all of them, but, you know, some of them are funny, kind of storytelling songs, and some of them are true stories that are... I kind of want to get out there, and then there's there are some that are that you, you protect. Know you know what I'm trying to say? We probably, know exactly. it's, probably because it, of I never of what, I never intend on anybody else listening to them. Basically, and because the well, Neil Neil was the one that talked me into sharing my thing, which I'm glad I did. But yeah. it's just because I think the way he writes is so personal. You know, just like your your uh, the original song that we started this whole podcast with. That's a personal song, regardless of if it's about which one's that. She there she goes there she goes. No, yeah. it's just a story, man. That's not, that's not that's not a personal story, man, at all. It's not a story. Well, that's what I was getting ready to relate. It's not a story about something that that was some. It was an emotion that you wrote about because you had this new emotion of like holy crap, um, to where it's not so hard to put out, to where you put out this. Here's this story that I just told. Now listen, to the song it sounds yeah. just like the story. Because yeah. it's almost word for word. He told you the story, and then you sing it, and it's but you know what's, what, what better it, and cl- more clever and cool. But and you feel that, yeah. I mean, you feel that when you're listening to the lyrics, and that's what I mean. I was I was just drawn to the lyrics, just waiting to hear the next phrase. You know, so I mean, it's it's good stuff. I understand what you're saying, but you know, if there's one that you might be willing to push out there a little bit, I'd love to hear it. Yeah, we. But I don't want to pressure you either. <laughs> 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 yeah, but that, and that's that's a, another part. Of it. I think, I think you, are, we, can always be super critical of ourselves, way more than anybody else is ever going to be of you. And did you listen to the toy episode? Lois yeah, song? oh yeah, I've listened. I've listened to every one. Every you know one that of was the episodes. first time yeah. he ever put yeah. that song out there. And, that, and that's, I mean, that's just as hard as doing what you're doing because even more so because toy's known as somebody that's been a musician somebody that's put himself out there and been on stages and been on in performances and productions and these gigantic things with pirates of penzance and all those things i mean that's not brent and that's the biggest difference and that's why it's a different beast and harder because uh, that's not what you've been the guy behind the drums uh, anytime you play, okay, you pick a song, Neil. And Hold on, before you. we move on. So, Brent, I just want to know—not that we have to play it—but like, what songs are in your head right now that you're like, "Oh man, I'd kind of like to play this, but I ain't ready." I don't even know if I necessarily remember the names, but there there are a bunch of songs on that album that are, I guess, personal to me that I don't really want to share with ever. I would share it with you all, you know, with you guys, but 
because it's sharing something about yourself that you ne- don't necessarily want out there for everybody? Yeah, yeah. I, I think so, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, some of them are personal struggles and dark moments and things like that where I kind of wrote songs for myself more as an outlet and that I never really kind of planned on sharing, I guess, is the thing. No, I, I totally understand. I never, I never really... I admire you for that because I've never had the guts to put them on paper and and record them. I just never, like I said, never really intended on anybody ever hearing. And like Neil said, you're you're vulnerable sometimes when you put certain certain things out there. And I think that's mine. So I do have some songs like yours that, that might be about an emotion or somebody else that I'm okay with. But some of the ones that are about myself, it's a little, it's a little harder. Yeah, it's true. And it takes... It, 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 I think Roger kind of hit on it. You know, it takes somebody on the other end of that to, uh, especially when you're married or something like like us. That if you're a songwriter, you've got to create and you've got to be able to put yourself in these situations and and these storylines and and even if it's not from reality, put yourself in in a headspace to write a story about something that may be hurtful to other people, even if it's not true on some some levels and that's kind of how you know uh i can write on some occasions sometimes i can put myself as i'm the guy sometimes i can put myself as this is a story sometimes you know that that changes and 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 ebbs and flows but what's the most personal song that you've written and put out there saint peter where kim kills me and i go to heaven no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) i love that song she always says green eyes it's me i'm like no it's a fake song but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> never heard that. I guess I can think of and I think Neil hit it on the head is like my songs are true and so it's about I guess things I really experienced like I could say like hey this song is about somebody I knew or whatever yeah. and but I don't know like to me it's so honest and personal because I know and so if there's if there's one I can think of that it's not necessarily about me but I guess it, it could be about anybody was um right idea do you know that one yep i do and it's actually musically it's not one of my favorite so like sometimes when i'm i think of songs i appreciate musically like i'm like oh i remember doing the drums on that one and like the full the whole thing you know what i mean so let's go out with the right idea i'm not sure that's the best song
Okay, so we gotta hear that. Well, that was a, it's, that's a little dark. Maybe we should pick a better what? better outro song. No, it's not too dark. <laughs> so, what's that song about? It's not really about anything, but I think it's it could be to yourself or to somebody else. It's like, hey, you had the right idea, you messed up, but you were trying to do the right thing, and it's it's kind of like in certain verses. You may feel like you messed up and you're in a personal hell, but hey, don't take it that serious. Like, don't don't punish yourself that bad. Like everybody messes up. Like you were you had the right idea. You were trying to do the right yeah. thing. It didn't work out, but see, that's cool. Yeah, I think we need to go out on that. You don't want to go out on that. All right, I say we go out on broken dreams. Number one, I love the the intro, the beginning, the harmonica. I freaking love the chorus, dude. I love the chorus. I th- I'm probably proud of that song musically. The some of the verses, I think the lyrics need a little work, but I do like. Uh, Is there a story behind Broken Dreams? Uh, it's basically about New Orleans Hurricane Katrina. I used to go down there with Lee Donahue and Aaron and all the guys. We went down there three times for Mardi Gras and New Year's, and I guess that happened not long after that. It was just kind of about that whole situation. It's a killer tune, man. We'll go out with Broken Dreams. Well, Brent, this has been a great podcast, man. People are going to enjoy hearing this. I've learned a lot about you. I've known you for a while now, and I had no idea uh, about twinning. all this history. <laughs> I appreciate y'all. You guys yeah. are twinning, I mean, man. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for coming on the podcast, man. We'll uh, we'll have you back on again sometime, and uh, we're going to definitely record some Shades of Navy. I can't wait. Let's I can... do it. I'm going to do the. Dr- I'm going to get a big John Bonham style drum kit in my upstairs, and yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to do it. All right, man. So. So it's been great, guys. Enjoy tonight. Thank you all. Awesome. So we're going to go out with, what's the title again? Broken Dreams. Broken Dreams. Brent West. Shades, no shades and Navy. And Navy.